everyone, this is Jess Jorgensen from Running with Mushrooms. In this episode, I'm chatting with Jean-Vier Hafasha, a director and founder of the NGO Hodari Foundation. Based in Uganda, Hodari helps refugees in Chaka 2 refugee settlement, which is in southwestern Uganda, to become self-sufficient. They do this by teaching people, mostly women, to grow and sell mushrooms. Just a note, in this episode we discuss themes that some may find distressing, like the refugee experience, child orphans, sexual and gender-based violence, and suicide. There's a transcript of our conversation on runningwithmushrooms.com and an article where I unpack the stats and the context in more detail. You can also find links here to support Todari's amazing work. Okay, on to the chat. Hi everyone, we're in Uganda. I am with Janvia Hafasha of the Hodari Foundation, and we are doing our interview on a Sunday morning on the rooftop of our hotel in Hoima City. We're here because we attended a mushroom festival over the weekend. Um, Janvia, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you over the last few days and to visit Chaka 2 refugee settlement and to learn about the work of Hodari Foundation. Um, would you like to give an introduction to yourself and the work of Hodari? Thank you so much for having me here, Jesse. Also, I'm super excited to be here. As you mentioned earlier, I'm Jamvia Fasha, a refugee from DRC Congo. I've uh, been here in Uganda almost making uh, 10 years. And um, I serve uh, with Hodari Foundation as executive director, and I'm the founder. It's a refugee-led youth organization. It fights for fellow refugees to have uh, adequate food and uh, be able to, to have a living so that they cannot depend on the international agencies or that they should not uh, have the depending syndrome. So I feel that it was very important to start this organization so that we can, as refugees, solve our own problems within our community. Can you tell me a little bit more about what Hodari Foundation does? Um, over the last few days you have shown us all the different parts of the business from you know mushroom growing to caring for orphaned children etc so please tell our, li our listeners more about all of the activities of Hodari and what you're doing day to day. First of all uh, Hodari is running uh, active three programs so one of them it is a uh, sustainable agriculture uh, where we are doing uh, mushroom growing and uh, of course mushroom growing and uh, with mushroom growing we are growing oyster mushroom type uh, where we are training um, refugee farmers on how to grow mushrooms and also creating awareness to help them understand what is the benefits of mushrooms so uh, doing this uh, we are addressing our food security whereby uh, refugees they are earning really little money and others are not getting anything as I speak now uh, there was a categorization of World Food Program whereby we have three categories and uh, category one they are getting 24,000 shillings category two they are getting 12,000 Ugandan shillings and category three they are getting nothing I'm um, inclusive of the category three and uh, as I speak now Chaka refugee settlement it is a home of 130,000 population and 27% these are youth who are aged from 15 to 24 years. So you can see that age, that number, really when they are all not in the food system, 
these are the younger generation who will even bring issues, who will start uh, stealing, who will start dragging. And uh, I feel my passion as a youth and a refugee, it is my responsibility to share my skill. And uh, this is more of a fair sharing where you need to share with the people for what you know so that they can also adopt and then they be able now to to grow as well and they can and uh, this is i'm happy that this is working out whereby i testimony one of the group farmers so far have harvested for about three weeks and they have about 80 kgs of mushrooms and they have now profit of about four hundred thousand shillings ugandan ugandan shillings so this is something that is really working a mushroom is working to break the poverty and address food security in the refugee settlement thank you so much and thank you for giving a bit of a backstory as to or context as to you know how many refugees are currently in chaka settlement you said 135,000. is that right yeah um so you you grow mushrooms you sell mushroom products, you train people. Can you list out all of the activities that Hodari Foundation is doing to provide food security and uh, income for people? Uh, besides this uh, um, sustainable food uh, agriculture, we have um, this program of where we, we train um, the people in business. We, we help them more understand about how to identify the problem statement within their community and how to design a, 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 a vision and also the business model. So having the business model, it helps them to, to live out of the comfort zone, to start challenging themselves, and they help them understand that, hey, look, you're a refugee, but it's not just a status. And uh, if you really uh, sit down and you meditate, you reflect back home where you came from, you are strong enough, you could work. And the Hodari Fund, um, it is uh, a microgrant loan whereby a person gets this money, use the money, and then in a period of a specific six months, brings back the money. It also goes to support another person in the community. Mm. Um, the third one, it is um, like involving children uh, in mindset change and also helping them identify the identity because most of the children within the settlement are unaccompanied minors and orphans. So these children, uh, most of them, they are traumatized and they have lost hope because they don't have caretakers, they don't have parents. And of course, personally, I understand the life of being an orphan. I was orphan at 12 years. These people, first of all, the children are not in their country. They are facing language barrier and no one who cares. So Hodari Foundation being a refugee organization, we felt it is important to be the advocate of the people who are voiceless. So we create self-spaces for these children so far. We have a center where we are feeding 125 children on a weekly basis. And the, the purpose of feeding them is not because we need, we need only them to eat, but we need to help them discover their talents, uh, their gifts, their power. We have kids who are doing work in who are doing painting, kids who are good at soccer. So we're helping them know that, hey, you can use your skill to be whom you want to be. Don't look at your status of a refugee. You have a name, you are a human being, and you're a child like others. So you go for it. We're creating channels for them to create um, health scholarships, um, to be able to 
acquire education so that they can be able to be responsible leaders, responsible agriculturalists, uh, responsible mushroom farmers in the future to come. Thank you. Thank you, Janvier, for detailing all of that work. Can you tell me more about this idea that uh, refugee as a, as a term is a status but not an identity? Um, and can you describe for our listeners why, that's, why is it important? Thank you, Jesse, for that good question. It's being honest, to be a refugee, it's not easy. And uh, I have went through a lot. To be here, I have went through a lot, a lot. Being, uh, being a refugee is just a status. I breathe in me as now. I'm Janvier Hafasha. I'm a human being. Uh, I have both hands, I have both legs, and the mind is working. So, why I always say that I hope, I challenge them to say, hey, look, you ju you're not a refugee. Just a refugee is just something that is not your choice. It is something that happened that can happen to anyone else. So by challenging them, it helps them to improve on their mindset, their system thinking. This year I have flew two times. I've gone to South Africa to attend Intercontinental Youth Conference, and I went as a delegate. This center was in Kenya for Centropic Food Forest Training. You know, so me sharing the, this uh, with them and having the pictures, they're like, oh, things are possible. Wow, I think we can make it, you know? So I share my story to help them understand that, uh, yes, we just refugee by just, but we are beyond. We, we have power in us that I think we need to just discover it is a journey, it's a transformation of course, but it is also the way of tackling the issues they are affecting and helping them to change in their mindset. I think it's such important work that you're doing, not just as an inspiration, but you're acting as a role model for your, uh, for your fellow community members. Janvier, you're from the DRC, right? Yes, as I mentioned, I'm from Jomba, which is in Chulu zone in the North Kivu, DRC. Can you tell me more about Chakatu refugee settlement and where, where are the majority of those with refugee status from? Most of the refugees who are in, I can say not only Chaka but the entire Uganda, as we are speaking now, 1.5 million refugees in Uganda. Majority of refugees, I can say in Chaka, I can say almost 90% are from DRC Congo. We are receiving new arrivals who are coming through the border of Ntoloko. The, the war is gaining up. So majority of them are uh, even uh, women and children because most of men are killed and they are kidnapped to go and train be labels again to attack their communities. So I find that it is most of the survivors are women and the children who got a chance to run and reach this neighboring country, Uganda. Does that mean that the majority of the beneficiaries of Hodari's work are women and children? You know, that you, you did speak about the orphans, the 125 orphans that you're working with. Um, we also met some of the women of the Hope Mushroom Initiative who you've trained to grow mushrooms and essentially are training others to grow mushrooms. So. Uh, are most of your beneficiaries, um, for mushrooms in particular, are your beneficiaries women? I would say 100% yes, uh, because uh, from the research and uh, from 
My observation in my community, I have realized that women are struggling to have food on plate. Uh, most of the women, uh, we saw basically um, uh, SGBV survivors um, that went through a lot when they are fleeing from DRC to enter Uganda. It's not only that they are, we are training them, but remember, as they are steaming, as they are draining, as they are packaging, they are sharing stories. So, like, in that way of sharing the story, they get to know, oh, I'm not alone. There is someone else. And why I feel it is more, it's like a therapy and it's like a mental health, it's because we'll not think of committing suicide when is it working with others and getting food because reaching home will have something to put on plate. So it, this program, it is doing two in one and uh, I'm sure now these women are now able to, to have food, are able now to put in a smile and say, yes, at least you have now what to eat. So that's why you see most of the people are women because they are really struggling a lot to have food and also they are, str they are struggling with trauma issues. So we feel that uh, it doesn't make sense to just give mental uh, psychosocial support when this person reaching home has no food to eat because you're traumatizing the person more. So having uh, food and creating safe space for women to share their challenges, I believe that is the way to go. You shared an acronym. Uh, for, for those who, who aren't aware, could you just uh, tell me what SGBV means? SGBV um, stands for Sexual Gender-Based Violence. Um, you find that most of the women in the refugee settlements are SGBV survivors. Thank you, Jean-Vierre. Can you tell me, um, for these women who've gone through such horrific trauma, it's wonderful to hear that they do have organizations like yours who can provide a space not only to secure food, um, mushrooms are a great nutrient-rich protein source, and as you say, a, a sort of space to share stories and to attempt to heal together. It's a therapeutic space and a space for integration. Can you describe how life is different for them now once they're growing mushrooms compared to before they were growing mushrooms? Thank you. Of course, uh, as I mentioned, that some of these women are single mothers and SGBV survivors. Of course, uh, like uh, assessing them and uh, engaging them in mushroom growing, uh, they don't always feel like uh, lonely. Coming together, they are learning from one another, not only besides just mushroom, they're learning from one another. So in the process of not only coming in mushroom groups, they sit and now they share and now they're able not to build livelihood together to have some financial system that could help them also pay school fees for their baby. So this woman, even if she's a baby survivor, but seeing her baby coming from school, it puts on a smile on her and it shows that there is hope and there is tomorrow. So not only food, but also they earn and they save, which helps them to be able to meet their personal needs and take their kids to school. Earlier on, you mentioned three categories of um, aid that comes from the World Food Programme. I think it was category one, people get 24,000 shillings, category two, 12,000 shillings, and categ category three, nothing. Um, 
How much is 24K in US dollars, roughly? I think it's about $6. Okay. And how often do people receive this? If they give you um, 24,000 shillings, which is equivalent to about $6, it is for the whole month. As an entire family, not just per individual? Most of the time they consider the household. Mm. So if you have six people, each person gets um, that $6. But of course, the more bigger the family, the more expenses. How, what, what can you buy with 24,000 shillings? Uh, can that feed you for the month in Chaka too? <laughs> to be sincere, um, it is hard for the whole month. Because first of all, uh, Chakatu being a home of refugees, without with the limited land, uh, the things are kind of pricey, like they're expensive. So most of the food stuff they come from outside the settlement. So uh, like twenty-four thousand um, one sack of charcoal is fifty thousand shillings, which can take you for one month only. A kilo of uh, posho or maize flour, it's also 4,000 shillings. For example, if you're a family of about four people, you eat one kilo one night. So this is a, a big problem uh, whereby most of the families in the settlement, they eat once a day for survival. And uh, some who have developed a, a, a smart technology, a smart system, they give kids breakfast around 11 to midday that it could push them at 8 p.m. to have supper. That is very interesting. I, I have to admit, I don't know enough about this topic to, to really talk much about it, but what I would like to do after this interview is I'll go and do some research and try and find out a bit more about how those categories are defined and how aid is, is administered and, and maybe some justification behind those decisions. Quite frankly, they don't sound like enough to, for people to, to survive on, which I think just really helps to emphasize even more the importance of the work of Hadari. Um, so let's, let's talk about mushrooms now. Why are mushrooms a good crop to be growing? Right, so why mushrooms and permaculture? So why I say permaculture is because that uh, permaculture has its principles and it has its ethics. Like um, we talk about the earth care. If you don't care about the earth, you're in trouble. So we're looking at now people care, which really is very, very important in this generation where we need to care about others. Permaculture, it also helps us to be down to earth and to be generous to other people, not only us, us, us eating, eating, and we forget our neighbors uh, around us. So also we have the fair share, which is also more of uh, one of the ethics that I love, because fair sharing is not only uh, what you have, but it's also what you know. You don't need to give money, you don't need to give resources, but you need also to give knowledge. So find that this ethics, it's a combination, it's a body of knowledge. And uh, why I talk now about mushrooms, <laughs> mushrooms, um, it's on a crop that can take a small portion of land. And of course, this is only the situation of refugees where they don't have a bigger land. 
So they are all complaining that no land for agriculture. But now with mushroom, it is just a small piece of land. Just 15 by 18 feet, you can grow about 300 gardens, which is really very, very, very unique. Just to cut in there, by gardens, you mean um, the block or the substrate block that the mushrooms are growing, growing on, is that right? Yes, the gardens. Yes, okay, so, and, and your gardens from what I saw, the ones that, that um, Hodari is, is growing, as well as training other women to make, e each garden is approximately, can you describe the size? Like, so if you say 300 gardens, like how big is each of those gardens? Okay, uh, each garden, uh, for us, we show that each garden at least you invest two kilograms per garden of fresh mushrooms each. So each garden harvests about two kilograms. Thank you. So you mentioned space and how there is obviously limited space afforded to people with refugee status when they settle in Chiakatu. And you mentioned how within a small space, 18 by 15 feet, you can grow up to 300 gardens. If somebody has 300 of those in their grow room, how many, how many mushrooms could they harvest in a typical month? And what can they do with those mushrooms? You can say that in a month, each garden has to give you a kilo. So imagine, you can imagine 280 gardens harvesting 280 kilograms and selling each at 10,000, that's Ugandan shillings. I'm talking about Ugandan shillings. But we sell 10 if we are delivering. But if the farmer or if the client comes to our farm, we put that discount. But minimum, we don't go below 8,000 shillings times 280. So on a monthly basis, that's the money that we get from the, the farmer's gate. Before you continue, let's do some maths very quickly. <laughs> 280 times 8,000 8, shillings. 2 million? 2 million 240,000. Thank you. Our sound guy has just helped us with uh, some, some maths there. 2 million, say that again? 2 million 240,000 Ugandan shillings. That's incredible. And, and that's the sort of worst case scenario. Um, you know, as you say, a lot, of these, a lot of these gardens are creating more than one kg of fresh mushrooms. Um, you're selling fresh mushrooms, but you're also selling mushrooms in different formats. The fresh mushrooms are dried and processed and powdered, and, and I've seen a number of different products that you, that you have. Uh, they're all really cool. I got super excited <laughs> about some of them. Uh, can, you, can you describe those products that the beneficiaries of Hodari Foundation are able to create and, and sell? Uh, thank you so much. Uh, of course, uh, still why I will say why mushrooms? Because it's only crop that has over five variations. So far we are drying them and uh, packaging them and sell the packaged mushrooms. Uh, we, we, we can uh, make mushroom jelly. Uh, we can be able to do even juice. Uh, we can be able now to, to do like mushroom wine, which is really very, very, very good. So that's why I, I, I like uh, most of these products because they are purely organic. You can do coffee uh, in it and the mushroom porridge, which is very nutritious for the babies and uh, school-going children. 
like us who are in the refugee communities uh, we're looking at um, people with diabetes uh, pressure and those uh, living with albinism that uh, are allergic to the sun and that they affected the much so giving them the mushroom soup and uh, giving them this jelly it helps also to have the lifespan life and yeah that's where we have also promoting our people care and fair share in our community you just described a number of products that got me very excited um, the first one you mentioned was mushroom jelly now where i come from jelly is a dessert it's a food However, your jelly is not food. Please describe what, what, what is your jelly and how does somebody use it? Uh, here, mushroom jelly, it's uh, like lotion to apply on your skin. It is purely organic uh, because it doesn't contain any chemical. So we are trying to live organically to, to follow the permaculture. It's called permanent agriculture and permanent culture. So we are trying now to, to go back to our ancestors, to our grandparents and our grand grandfathers to use the organic things. The second product that you mentioned was mushroom juice or mushroom wine. Why do people enjoy drinking mushroom wine? Uh, from what I know, it's about 12% alcohol. Um, is, uh, is there a reason mushroom wine is popular in Uganda? Well, uh, not only Uganda, I can say maybe uh, in East Africa, the cultural belief is that uh, mushroom being organic, like it is boosts the immunity. And uh, for the men, they have this mindset. I don't know if it is a mindset, but uh, it helps like to improve them uh, in their Im to boost their immunity because it helps in uh, blood flow and which strengthens their vessels and helps them to be healthy and so they buy it because it's not only drinking but also they take it as the medicine. I think running with mushrooms is going to do a deeper investigation into that um, into that topic because I find the cultural understanding and use of mushrooms for medicine in East Africa to be very interesting. Um, one of the other products you mentioned is mushroom porridge. With this porridge would you mind describing um, who benefits from the porridge like, and how, how is it made and, and who benefits from it? Thank you so much. Uh, for mushroom porridge, it is also very, very, very good, especially for the babies. It's also good for the pregnant mothers. It's good for breastfeeding mothers. And of course, being organic, the baby grows very healthy. It is also used mostly in the hospitals. I've seen this at um, at Novik Hospital and Healthcare Clinic in Kampala, Uganda, where they feed their patients only living or just only on mushroom. All right, bef before we start wrapping up, uh, earlier on you mentioned collaborating, not competing. Would you mind describing what you mean by that and, and why it's important and why is that a central value of the Hodari Foundation? Uh, thank you. I believe in <coughs> there is a say in African probably that it takes a village for a child to grow. So as Hodari Foundation, I believe that whatever we do, we can't do it alone. Um, and what we are doing is for the people, not for us. So we believe that we don't need to have that competition, but we rather uh, mobilize and involve more collaborators to join us to be able to reach our vision.
what would you like to see happen in the f in the future for Hodari Foundation? And um, you know, what are your your ambitions? What are you hoping to achieve? And what do you need to happen so that those things can be achieved? Yes, we are growing mushrooms, but uh, still we are encountering some challenges. And one of them uh, it's um, accessing the spawn. As we speak right now, oh, we, we, we're buying from Kampala. So in that journey of moving from Kampala, reaching to the settlement, we find that the seed has been uh, contaminated. You're targeting to plant uh, in 500 gardens. Unfortunately, we find that only it's only the 300 that has been colonized. So this discourages even the farmer. So uh, addressing this, uh, I feel that I, we need to have established uh, a laboratory that would be producing uh, the spawn on ground. And this would not only help us to access um, uh, the seed, but it will also create the employment opportunities to the people who will be making the seeds at the laboratory. And it will be all sustaining because we shall be able now to have our own made spawn on ground, which will also reduce um, the contamination and which will be cost effective. Mm -hmm. So we are looking at um, establishing that lab that could solve all those problems. Um, two, we're looking at uh, having like um, a very additional hub, like where to have the products made from mushrooms to be displayed to show the world that, hey, look, these are the things that comes from the mushrooms. So as you saw at Hodari, like now imagine where our office is. It's where we have the hub or like a center, a product center where the people could come and purchase. So we are looking at, um, of course, uh, forming like a refugee mushroom growers cooperative so that we can be able to target bigger markets, uh, having uh, training more groups in mushroom growing uh, so that we can now be buying from the groups. The groups will be more energized and will be more encouraged to, to grow mushrooms because they will be sure of the market. So through the cooperative we shall now be able to, to have in bulk products and we shall be able now to go and negotiate with the bigger markets because we shall be sure that we can now be able to satisfy the market. Mm. Thank you so much. So the, the, as you said, the most urgent would be that lab a value addition hub and the establishment of the Refugee Mushroom Growers Cooperative. Um, you've mentioned Nourish All. Please describe for our listeners who is Nourish All and what is your relationship with them? Oh, thank you. Nourish All is my donor. Um, uh, it's an organization based in the US and it's led by the, the founder and the executive director is called Samantha Coaches. Um, we're working together in, in uh, the journey of mushroom in the refugee settlements and these are about five uh, refugee settlements based in the southwestern. And these are the refugee settlements that even now, they are still receiving new arrivals. So there is uh, also the challenge of food security. So uh, with the support um, uh, from Norish uh, All, we've been able to train at least 10 TOTs in spawn production. And we've been able to train over um, two groups uh, in mushroom growing. We've also secured uh, solar dryers that are helping us to, to dry mushrooms. And we've been able to get at least a, a, mobile, I call it a mobile lab 
that for now we are trying to make some to spawn but not on large scale on a small scale we've been able to have uh, um, a brander which is helping us like to, to smash and get powder that currently we are using to get mushroom jelly so they're doing really great work and um, also I th their vision is to see refugees having access to food and also the livelihoods so that they can live in self-resilience. Thank you for that. For anyone who'd like to learn more about Nourish All and their amazing work, um, I actually chatted with Samantha Coaches. We did a podcast and Running With Motions' very first podcast released was that episode. So go check out episode one uh, where Samantha Coaches describes more about the amazing work of Nourish All. Um, so you've mentioned this value addition hub that is upcoming, the lab that you're hoping to build and the Refugee Mushroom Growers Cooperative that you're setting up as three urgent needs. How can people get involved with Hodari Foundation, whether they are individuals who live in East Africa or somewhere else in the world, or if they're associated with an NGO or a company, or even just as an individual or a volunteer, someone who would like to fund or donate in some way, uh, you know, how can they get involved with Hodari Foundation and how can they find you? Uh, thank you so much. I believe uh, one of the, the what to recommend, I'm happy that I'm going to be on uh, Running with Mushrooms platform so that they could be able to reach us. Uh, they could reach us, can reach us also through uh, LinkedIn uh, where we have Hodari Foundation platform. Um, they can reach us through the Twitter, we have their uh, page and also the Instagram uh, and they can either email us or they can press the button to donate and put the reason for them because we have different programs but I feel it would be great to have the money in a specific program that a donor feels that he needs to do. So in the donation page, uh, you could put maybe specifically for this program, specifically for this program. And of course, as I mentioned, that we could also be happy to receive them on ground to help us um, develop more knowledge in, like we need to, apparently we are now, we are only looking at uh, oyster mushrooms, but we need to introduce new um, mushroom types. I have passion for doing uh, like mushroom that could be made like to make medicine because I stay in a refugee setting where I feel it is important to treat my refugees using organic food and um, organic medicine. So also if there are maybe some institutes that would offer to give like such opportunity to train in how to do medicine and do, do different uh, other additions that maybe we have not mentioned, maybe that we don't know, it would be a pleasure and it is a pleasure not only for Hodari Foundation, uh, for the entire community and the region uh, where we are serving. Um, thank you so much. So I'll, I'll include links to all of those platforms that you mentioned in the show notes um, to this podcast. To end off, what is your favorite thing that you've learned about mushrooms since you started working with mushrooms? One of the things that mushroom has taught me, or that I have learned, uh, it has taught me to be smart. With the mushrooms, uh, you start from one step up the 50th step, which is the, you start with um, soaking, you go to draining, you do packaging, you do steaming, 
and then you do the last process, which was the most successful process, which is spawning. So the same applies to our daily lives, is that uh, we incur different challenges. So through being a mushroom farmer and of course a mushroom lover, it has helped me to be smart and also to be more patient because like if you're spawning, you need to be patient by giving it time. You, you're not rushing to pack you go because you will not see the end results. So in the daily lives, it is the journey and um, it's a transformation way to grow. So that's what I have learned from it. Janvier, thank you so much for having us, uh, for hosting us in Chaka 2, for showing us around. We are so inspired by the work that you do. Um, and thank you for sharing your story with us. Is there anything that you'd like to say or share as a, as a closing statement? First of all, I want to thank Sila Genosh all that introduced me to, to Jesse, the, the founder of uh, Running With Mushrooms. And I appreciate the passion and the love uh, Jesse has for mushrooms, traveling all the way from the UK, coming to Uganda. Uh, like I can say, like sacrificing time and coming deep in the refugee settlement where most people fear to come. Uh, experiencing a life, uh, moving with us in the field, uh, spending that time being with us, it uh, shows that what we are doing um, is very important for the people and for the world as well. So I thank you so much and uh, you're always welcome back to Chaka Refugee Settlement. I can't wait to come back and we will see you soon. Thank you. After our interview, Janvier sent me a letter issued in May 2023 by the World Food Programme and UNHCR, which is the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. It breaks down how their limited food and cash resources are prioritised across the 13 refugee settlements in Uganda. To sum up, around 95% of refugees in Uganda are classed as Category 1 or 2, which is vulnerable or highly vulnerable, and they receive some food and cash rations. After six months, they're recategorized uh, with around 4.4% of the refugee population considered self-reliant, like Janvier. At this point, they don't receive any more food or cash rations. As of 2023, Uganda hosts nearly 1.6 million refugees and asylum seekers. It's Africa's largest uh, refugee host, um, most of which are coming from South Sudan and the DRC. The UNHCR plays a big role in providing protection and assistance to millions of forcibly displaced and stateless people around the world. But sadly, there's a story here of massive underfunding, diminishing resources and not much chance for people to return home. None of the conflicts going on in the world that cause people to flee their homes and live with refugee status should be ignored. None of it should be allowed to happen. But sadly, the situation in Eastern DRC has deteriorated quite dramatically in 2023. Jean Vier and his mushroom farmers are not expecting the situation to change. It's a grim picture, but it's not only extreme, it's reality. On runningwithmushrooms.com, you can find an article where I unpack all of this. Hodari Foundation and other refugee-led organizations are so important to helping refugees become self-sufficient. Please consider supporting Hodari's work. 
Links for how to get involved and how to get in touch with them are in the show notes and on runningwithmushrooms.com. On our Instagram, you'll find some videos that go behind the scenes to meet some of the amazing mushroom farmers in Chakatu refugee settlement. Thanks for listening. See you for our next episode where we're staying in Uganda to meet an inspiring permaculturalist, mushroom farmer and educator in Ramwanja refugee settlement who is changing how people farm.